Hello and welcome to the Agile Pubcast. I'm Jeff Watts and I hope you enjoy listening to us talk about Agile topics while having a pint in a pub. If you enjoy what you're hearing, please leave us a review on iTunes or if you're using SoundCloud, give us a like and leave us a comment. Equally, if you've got some questions or perhaps some topics you'd like to discuss, then tweet them to at the Agile Pubcast. And finally, if you've got any bars you'd like us to record in or some beers you'd like us to try, let us know. Thanks. Hello, everybody. Hello, Jeff. Hello, Paul. London Village again. Yeah, I'm sure, sure people will be able to hear it. We're outside today. The ambiance of the London street. Mm. We're actually on a street in London, outside a pub in, in the drinking area. You hear people oh, jovially laughing. Yes. Laughing at my jokes I haven't told yet. It's 5.30 in the evening and a lot of people coming out after a day in the office. It's uh, Argyle Street in London. We're at the Argyle Arms. It has a little bit of history, doesn't it? There is, and I should really know that now. <laughs> um, I think it's a 17th century pub or something. I'm looking for inspiration. We'll update. But no, there was um, what I found was interesting was there's a rumor of a secret tunnel between this pub and a London theatre. Now I'm going to take a guess that that London theatre is the Palladium. If I'm going to point here, not this is purely for Jeff's benefit, not for you, podcast TV viewers. I'm pointing to the Palladium. Can you see the Palladium down the the street? Yes. Yeah. So I think that's the nearest theatre to this pub. So I'm going to guess that there is a. A secret tunnel. Jeff's now checking on Wikipedia. It was built in 1895, apparently. Uh, 1868. So I was completely sorry. wrong with my century. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's on the. It's on the. It's a listed building, Grade Two listed public house. Yeah. And it's on the campaign for real ales national inventory of historic pub interiters. It's, it is quite. It's, Wait, a, it's art, a very traditional. Is it, is it art Deco inside. Oh, I couldn't have a clue. <laughs> but it's very pleasing on the eye. Yeah. Very very pubby pub. I very would say. Pub. And I, I bought you Mortimer's well, cider and a, a well, lemonade chaser. And a lemonade chaser. It's it, hot, isn't it? It's very hot in London today, so I've got that to rehydrate. What have you bought very me? Sen- sensible drinking policy. That an SDP, as my <laughs> as my friend Dan would call it. Is it an SDP, a sensible drinking policy? What, what pint of ale have you got? Well, I've got one that's called Absolutely, and it's it's made by uh, the Madness Brewing Company. Right and. So I, I don't know much about. I've never seen it before, but as you know, when I see something new, I try, try it. it. So well, what have I got? Or you bought me? Mm-hmm. Are you going to tell us? One second. So it's not it's not particularly strong or offensive. It's, it's very subtle tang, almost um, nutty in a way. It's, it's drinkable, room temperature, not cold. I could have probably I would have probably preferred a colder drink today, but it's nice. What would you score it out of five, Jeff? Out of five, three and a quarter. Oh, very specific. And you're drinking Mortimer's, which I know nothing about, but it was the only cider that I could see on tap from the part of bar that, the bar that I was at. And I'm going to say it tastes of apples. <laughs> um, with a, I'm going to say it's a dry. Is it dry? I don't know. genuinely don't know anything about it. Dry cider, very nice. Dry cider, it's alright, is it? Anyway, we haven't, we haven't clinked. Oh, yeah. To Howard. Cheers, mate. Howard. I always think of Howard. So yeah, it's summer. 
officially summer has now started in England. This is always traditionally, for me as a, I'm talking as a trainer now, a very quiet time. Yeah, yeah. I, the, this week will be my last training course until September. Yeah. Generally, just people don't. I mean, I, people get I get inquiries and I get um, have conversations, but generally people don't book anything with me purely because people aren't in the office. Well, I more people are away, aren't they? It's holiday time, I suppose. School holidays start soon. End of July. Yeah. I, my kids break up next week, I think. They? Um, yeah, so people off for school holidays, summer holidays abroad, things like that. So, yeah, I guess the office is uh, quite a disrupted place. A lot of scrum teams. It must be a nightmare for... Well, what I remember, I remember it was a nightmare to, to schedule. We used to have, like... I remember in Nokia, we had, like... Um, the old, the old days of paper on the walls yeah, yeah, yeah. with a little calendar marked out and you had to like a, like a register yeah. you had to tick the days you were in tick the days you were off and then you get to July and August and like teams it's a nightmare obviously you still got to run sprint planning but you just like half the team are there well yeah you're kind of running at 50 mile an hour instead of 100 mile an hour aren't you yeah driving on single carriage railroads instead of motorways <laughs> well we had that raised a, a few problems with that just thinking back to Nokia now that always raised a few problems with us uh, lack of T-shaped skills yeah so if we had a specialist mm. who was on holiday oh yeah and we found out the hard way I remember a couple of one particular sprint where we shamefully finished nothing because of I'm not going to say the guy's name but let's call him Chris okay yeah or sorry Ian <laughs> let's call him Ian um but uh, Chris was on holiday. Chris was having a great time. Ian was having a great time. Yeah. And um, but his specialism was so was that um, much in his head that not none of his work got done, and the team weren't aware of it, and we couldn't accept the work that got finished what, as a result. What was his role? What was his uh, skill? performance testing? Okay. Which in Nokia at the time was a very specialist role. There's only three guys across maybe 16. And why was that? Did it take a long time to learn? It was, yeah, it was quite specialised. He was a contractor as well. Yeah. So. Um, not necessarily incentivised to share his no, skill set. No, and uh, not, pay, not paid to. It wasn't in his, uh, in his remit. Um, so, so, yeah, it was, it was just quite tough to explain. And, and also, teams didn't, we generally quite developer heavy those teams so um, a lot of the testing stuff got um, put to one side or forgotten about mm. so a lack of it, it kind of it was one of the first things that really exposed the the risk in, in Nokia of I-shaped rather than T-shaped people mm. so that uh, rattled a few cages that's, that's, that's a really good point I think a lot of people when they when they ask about what do you do when someone's on holiday yeah they're generally asking about the fact that their velocity is going to be lower Yes. How do you cope with that? How do you explain that? How do you make sure that people don't think they're just it's all going a numbers slower? game? Yeah. And that's that's nowhere near the point. Yeah. It's not. It's not. That's not the problem at all. The problem no. is, as as you absolutely said, is can you get anything done? It's not whether the, the six remaining people can be busy. It's whether you can actually get anything. It's more a test of done. how you redistribute responsibilities, isn't it? Yeah. Rather than how do you? It's always, and I maybe. Um, stereotyping here but it always seems to be project managers that will ask me that question or people who yeah or people with that kind of project management responsibility is how do we make the numbers work yeah. during the summer yeah. yeah and I I'm guilty you know put my hand up with this 
in the uh, in the early days. I'm talking about Fast Track now, BT. We did a terrible thing, Jeff. <laughs> you must remember this. We used to during the summer we had six eight week sprints. Okay. Do you remember this? Yeah. So this was a this was a mistake I made that you know it just seemed to turn, try and keep our our business partners in BT retail happy and make it look like we were maintaining sustainable pace. We just basically lengthened the sprints, and we had like almost like July and August sprint to cover up. Mm. Which I think back now, I'm thinking, well, that's you know, again, I was playing the games, I was playing the numbers. Yeah, I and mean, practically, if you're unable to get anything done, then even though you are having four-week sprints or two-week sprints, you're not. If you're not getting it done. No, if you're faking it, yeah, I agree. So, is there any real difference between saying we're going to have a a two sprint sprint yeah well this is slightly different because we were still able to get stuff done right but we were able to get less done okay just less developers less less people in the teams yeah, yeah. and it's uh, and people are always even in course now people still ask me that question say what should we do if the team's going to be away what should we do if Christmas is another yeah another time of year isn't it when um, people are off Easter any holiday season and you find that well, I, I don't know. I, I found that there was a real pressure on people. It felt, people felt really bad. Some people did anyway. But going on holiday, and yeah, you know, say people. I remember a couple of guys at BT said, "Don't worry, don't worry. My phone's going to always be on. I'll always be checking my emails. You know, I'll, I'll be away with the family, but you know, you can rely on me." Yeah. So I don't want to rely. On you. That's, no, not, yeah, that's not exactly, what we want. Yeah. That's a sticking plaster. That's yeah. that's a bottleneck. We don't want that. But. Um, I remember hearing a guy called Richard Sheridan talk. I've, I've mentioned his name before. This is in New Orleans. Dinner with him. Huh? I had a dinner with him. Have you? Yeah. When was that? That was in Berlin. The C- he's the, um, the owner of a company in the States. I can't remember the name of the company. But he's written a book. And he was, yeah. he was at the, the reverse keynote. I've mentioned his name before. Like I said, it's an old podcast book. I've mentioned it. But they have a policy in his company of, and it's quite strict on if you're on holiday your phone, your phone is off yeah. and your emails are turned off and it's kind of written into your job description that you don't do those things when you're on holiday you're on holiday it's a very nice guy they do tours of their office that's right yeah and they uh, they have like a crash in in the office where yeah, the young mums can bring their kids in and things like that return to work policy where, yeah, where was I? I can't remember. Uh, where were we talking Seasonal about? velocity, yeah. Seasonal yeah. Velocity, yeah. Christmas, yeah. But yeah, you just generally, I mean, you should be able to almost now map trends. I mean, I'm, I'm working with a team now that's in their 100th sprint. They're having a big celebration for their 100th sprint. But you'd think over that time, obviously there's team change over time. Yep. But if that, things are reasonably stable, if the domain is fairly stable, you get a flavour for what you can commit to over the Christmas period, you'd hope. Yeah. And what you can't. You see, yeah, you see patterns, don't you? You see patterns within sprints. Uh, we always used to talk about um, sprint burn-down signatures. Yes. You could see, you know, you know, a lot of teams will start off with the risky, the, 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 the challenging, the difficult tasks. Yeah. And so their actual work remaining yeah. would be quite high at the start of the sprint but then they'd, they'd nail those and then they'd have the easier stuff later on and then they'd catch up and that would be relatively normal no one would panic when after four days they still had 95% of yeah. the sprint left because they knew that's how they worked other teams would, would, would be very different um, but you also get signatures the longer a team stays together you'll see that over time as well so you know, the, maybe, maybe January December July and August 
relatively low velocity, but the other months uh, are a lot higher. Yeah. And I think that's that's a lot of, for me at least, what this the empirical nature of Scrum should give us. We should be collecting a lot of data points a lot quicker so we can learn about what's normal, what's right. Yeah. And when we should be making risky decisions and when we shouldn't. For instance, do you really want to be uh, putting in a release of software over the Christmas period? Or, no, you know, or on a Friday. Or on a Friday. Never release on a Friday. That's my mantra these days. Um, so, yeah, why, I mean, why would you eat some. Why in, in, increase the risk at times when you are. It, but it, I say it all reflects back to the, the how rounded that team is. If they've got a sense that everyone feels responsible, then they probably wouldn't mind. And I see this now quite often where teams... Another question I always get is, what do you do if, if someone's off sick? Or what yeah. do you do if someone goes on, on holiday? Well, you have the daily scrum at their sick bed, don't you? Well, what? You have the daily scrum at their sick bed. Yeah, Everybody goes yeah, to bring work. Bring them at home, yeah. No, so it's the... Um, but it's that, again... And I'd like to think that if one member of a team, of a good team, goes off sick, we can't plan for that. No. Nope. And some people say, well, then the velocity is going to take a hit. Oh, yes, it might. But equally, I've seen some teams that kind of step up, that kind of say, okay, we've committed to this stuff. Jeff's off for the next week with a broken leg of skiing on his skiing holiday. We've got to kind of all put in an extra 10%. It's that kind of yeah. football team that gets Jeff the place. for us. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So well, that's what I'd like to think does happen. Rather than just teams oh, playing. the best teams do playing the velocity game the teams that are relatively demoralised will we'll see that as an opportunity for an excuse right yeah a, well we couldn't succeed because yes. Jeff didn't manage to get off his island or whatever yes so that's why but that's that's not because they're bad people not because they're lazy they're, 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 they're just generally not incentivized, not motivated not inspired I'm going to pick up on a word you used and I'm going to run off in a different direction with it you said how rounded your team is and the direction I'm going to go in is rounded numbers and the idea of um, how we're drawn to rounded numbers. You said you're, that team that you used to work with is celebrating their 100th sprint. Yeah. There's no no reason why number 100 should be celebrated more than number 99, but True. it is. Yeah. Um, same in, I know, I know sports, we yeah. celebrate round numbers and, and these arbitrary landmarks that we create for ourselves. And I think that's, that comes through in velocity and, and estimates as well, isn't it? We see people who will say that's a week or a day yeah, yeah. or a 10 or yeah. a 20. And it's, it's an interesting little bias that we create for ourselves. And I didn't know where it was going to go, but that, that seemed to tie in with what we were talking about before. Um, I think people, if you said, right, we've got a couple of people off this sprint, is that 20% less? Yeah. I mean, we wouldn't say 19%, would we? We wouldn't, we wouldn't yeah. say 21%. Yeah. But I think, I, I, I know a lot of people um, have a big problem with velocity and, and that type of thing. It's always, there's always a, a LinkedIn discussion going on about it at some point, but or a Twitter-based Twitter discussion. But I think, I think there is a place for it. I, I mean, don't get me wrong, I see teams that do use it very well to use it to their advantage and scaled scaled scrub, scrub implementations that are using it well and um, are getting a lot of value where, where the teams don't feel they're being played off against each other or where the teams don't feel that it's a, a metric that changes their pay grade or, or anything like that if it's just 
a way to try and form some sense of trend or of, of, of moving forward I think it can be quite a positive thing but equally I can see the other the counter argument which is if it's used as a whip then it can be quite damaging yeah personally I'm a fan you like it yeah call me old fashioned but I like it I like the idea of knowing what I'm what I'm capable of. I like the idea. I just I still remember now. Maybe this is just me, the kind of person I am. That's, I mean, easily I like a game, but yeah. the idea of you know, this sprint, like planning do, game, as it was called in, well, it in was, XP. Yeah, yeah. I like the idea that I can I can see how well I'm doing and how well I'm improving, and I can make some changes and then see how it affects things. Um, and yeah, I just like it. But then. Yeah. I, I never really was one to, to get sucked in by the games of the organisation in many ways. Yeah. Um, so I suppose it's easy to say these things if you're not too worried about getting sacked. I had this conversation with a group um, I was working with um, recently abroad and how uh, they're str- they, were, they were struggling with, with something. Um, yeah, they wanted to make a change. And they said, but the problem is the person who, who you know, has the authority to make this decision they, they won't want to hear this no. and you know, it's, it's just we won't be able to do it I said well you will Yeah. <laughs> but I also know that it's easy for me to say because I, I was the kind of guy that went down to PC World bought a machine on a company credit card <laughs> illegally put it on the company's network yeah. to say to the customer you can have this feature now rather than wait six months for the new server and because I and that ge- would, that, theoretically of course that would never actually happen Jeff. Oh, I think we're past the statute of limitations now <laughs> But uh, the, for me, I, I had no fear of losing my job then. I was young, had, yeah, I, I, I so, had, yeah, didn't really have a problem with it. more at stake, isn't it? Yeah, and I didn't really think it through. Yeah. I just thought, this makes sense, I'm going to do it. And I completely get that not everybody can act like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but velocity is very attractive to a lot of people. So what's the? What, I've just noticed you've got a symbol on your shirt. What's this? An elephant balancing on a? On a is that a volleyball? Well, I, I thought you'd know that, Jeff. Is it Kabaddi? <laughs> this is a Coventry City emblem. Oh really? Yeah. What's elephants got to do with Coventry? I don't know. But it's all over the badge. It's what has been for hundreds of years. I was really hopeful there that because uh, you see an elephant balancing on a ball, it's, it's a good sign of agility. It's a fo- Yes. I thought maybe there was a hidden message there that I was not picking up on. Yeah. No, there isn't. No. And what's on its back? It's. We'll have to that's put a, a picture. Ca- that's a castle. That's, that's a castle, is it? I think so. Okay. If you say so. It's a Coventry City football badge, everyone. I'm a loyal Coventry City fan. I was born in Coventry. Yeah. We'll go and see them next year. They'll be playing Cheltenham. They'll be playing uh, low-level Division Two football. Uh, okay, so what else goes on in summer? Things get hot. So what about what about dress code? Ooh, I, I, you know, the first time in twelve years, maybe fifteen years, I was I was asked when I when I went to work somewhere, I was I was asked to to comply with the company dress code. I didn't know companies still had dress codes. I suppose they do. And I'm not someone to turn up in, you know, a mankini or anything. <laughs> but genuine, genuine. For a training course. Some, um, no, was it was it a coaching. coaching yeah, coaching. 
<laughs> so I would, I would probably have worn a pair of maybe beige or blue trousers and some kind of sh- collared shirt with no tie. That's probably what I would have not would have worn anyway. But my instant reaction was, I'm going to wear shorts and t-shirt. Yeah. No one tells me what to wear. Yeah, to, to rebel. Yeah, that's just my instant reaction. But then I thought better of it. Interesting, because Jeff, well, the background is Jeff and I are here to do a course for the next couple of days. But um, I actually thought about texting you today saying, really want to wear shorts, because I knew it was going to be hot. And I would be, for one, I now the summer months are here, I am much more comfortable in short trousers. Yeah. Um, I honestly wanted to wear short trousers yeah and uh, what, I've only ever done it once it's good because our room is going to be warm our training room yeah 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 um, I've only ever done it once this is for a client in Frankfurt you've worn shorts when you've talked with me before have I yes maybe public course but not private okay so this is a private course that was running in a hotel in Frankfurt and Frankfurt were going through a heat, heat wave I think it was 34 degrees outside and I asked permission so what I said was on day one I was there in my trousers yeah working hard but, but sweating profusely and I said I said look guys I'm going to be honest with you I'd really like to wear shorts tomorrow would yeah. you would any of you object and they said no fine and it was it was okay and, and I, did, I did a course at Hope and Bars the last course I ran at Hope and Bars yeah and the aircon was broken well in fact they don't actually have aircon but a lot of the rooms have high ceilings, so it doesn't get too hot. Yeah. But this one didn't have a high ceiling. They, they tried to put a fan in there. It was stinking hot. Yeah. And I was drenched after yeah. half an hour. Yeah. And the fan was just blowing hot air around the room. Luckily, I had my suitcase with me, and I, I went and put some shorts and t-shirts. I said, Look, sorry guys, but yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll faint if I don't. Yeah, yeah. I was dehydrated. But the, interesting, there's no, I think, whether this is urban myth or not, people can re- uh, verify this. <laughs> And tweet in if you know the answer to this. But I heard, urban myth or not, there was no upper limit to working conditions that you can. So you can't complain for health and safety reasons. For instance, that the room is too hot. Really? There is no. There's a lower limit apparently, okay. but there is no upper limit. Did you see? This is related. Did you see the story about that school in Exeter where the boys wore skirts? Yes. So my son went to a school where he wasn't allowed to wear shorts. No, no, no. It was the other way around. He wasn't allowed to wear trousers in the winter. Yeah, and we complained to the school, and they said, "No, that's just our policy." And so, well, girls are allowed to wear trousers in the winter, so why aren't boys? And for anybody who isn't uh, aware, the um, uh, there was a, there was a school in in Exeter that um, some boys were. It was very very hot, very very hot, and um, the the boys wanted to wear shorts, and the teacher said no. It's not part of the school uniform. So, of course, a skirt is part of the school uniform. So they, a, a class of boys turned up in skirts to, to prove a point, which really aligns well with my rebellious streak. I, yeah. I was really yeah. quite pleased with that, uh, which then caused the school to reconsider their anachronistic policy. It's a good word nice. for a Monday afternoon. I should Google that afterwards. Old-fashioned, out of date. Okay. I think. <coughs> yeah. So, yeah, it was it's dress policy. The, and... I don't know where I'm going with this, but from a you asked permission. I think that's an interesting one. Do you think do you think team members should ask permission of one another about their dress code? In a, in a team. Yeah. Or do you think it should be corporate set? I think I think the belief is it's it comes top down, and I think that's a cult. I think it's a cultural thing. Um, I did a course recently. 
where I felt overdressed. Okay. So my, my kind of bog standard um, safe costume these cost, costume. costume listen to me outfit I'd love to uniform I'd, I think it should be fancy dress um, we should do fancy dress scrum training anyway I'll, um, I'll be Luigi <laughs> Mario and Luigi no but um, my outfit that I wore was kind of bog standard chinos and, and it was hot so it was sh- short sleeved um, t- um, collared shirt but I'd say 50% of the room were in shorts yeah and I felt and t-shirts and you go to some software, software particularly, has kind of this uh, this perception that it's shorts, sandals, and, and uh, Guns N' Roses t-shirts. You yeah. know? But um, it's very, I mean, it's not rare, but it's, in fact, it's, it's the opposite. It's not unheard of to, to go to most software courses and most software houses these days and see people dressed down. And I think, yeah, I think, I think, yeah, I think, people need to feel back to the, how does this affect teams people need to feel comfortable in whatever they're doing whatever working environment they're in yeah. and I think what you're wearing does have an air of it does create it's environmental what people are wearing socially does have an effect on how you interact with them how you perform and how you I think what you're contribute. wearing has an impact on me we're part of a team <laughs> I think what you're wearing could potentially have an impact on me yeah and that's what I'm saying. If, if if we're part of a team, should we be conscious of the impact of what we're or we are collectively agreeing? I think it could be potentially one of the norms. I'm not saying I, I see that a lot. I've seen a couple of teams who almost had their own team uniform, where they had their sort of their team shirts with the team names on. I think yeah, there's a sense of identity yeah. if they have those things match, and even if they don't match. If not, I'm not talking about matching shirts, like but. Even if we have an agreement on what's acceptable, that's kind of a match, isn't it? Yeah. That's kind of a, an agreement that we have. Setting, so, setting the standards. I think it can be quite... Um, that can be quite a bonding thing. If, if, you, if you find there's things that you agree on, there's commonality, there's, there's a you know, common agreement. I think that's, that can be a benefit. Yeah, and I, don't get me wrong, listeners, I'm not, I'm not advocating for losing your individuality and in everybody... No. At all, um, I think it's a, it's a, there's a good balance there. I, I'm probably coming across as quite contradictory in many ways, to encouraging individual rebellion, but also looking at the team and a, a common view. But I think I think the uh, the culture of the company will probably be the underlying value behind it as to how much is tolerated. Here's here's a tough one. Yeah, personal hygiene. Oh, okay. So in Especially in July and August, well, where yeah. it gets a bit it gets hotter, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And team, I think every every organisation has 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 come across something similar, where there are people with differing standards of personal hygiene. Personal hygiene, yeah, yeah. And which is potentially exacerbated in a, in an agile environment where you're expected yeah. to work literally and physically closer to one another. Yeah. Um, I think this is potentially again a balance of you know, your right to be who you are but also keeping up to the standards of, of those around you, being conscious of your impact on, on those around you yeah you ever had anything like that? oh yeah and again it, it, it was you've got to be careful that it doesn't become a way of alienating people this, I mean I've had an experience of that before where it became a bit of a, a standing joke yeah. 
with six of the seven development team members who were basically making poking fun. Yeah. And that got quite um, awkward for me to was deal with other scrum masters. aware of the situation? <laughs> I think so, but didn't want to admit to it. Okay. Because quite often, I would say more often than not, the situations I've come across, the individual actually isn't aware. And I'm not, I'm not going to go down into the whole science route, but you know, when you put your aftershave on, when you, you put aftershave on, after a while you can't smell it, because yeah, you come yeah. used to it, uh, but everyone else around you can. Um, the, these people gen, generally are not aware of what's going on, and and actually some, some tactful but direct feedback is all that it takes. Most people shy away from that feedback, not because of the impact that they think it's going to have on the other person, although that will be, often be the reason cited. It's because they don't want to put themselves in that awkward position. Yeah. Um, but actually, it's it's usually nowhere near as painful as we think. I, I don't know where, again, I don't have enough experience of the cultural differences, but certainly in Britain there's an element of, well, passive-aggressive is probably better than direct. Yeah. And sarcasm is probably better than, than direct. And the teams that I've seen handle this well, generally it's been a, a quiet but direct conversation. <laughs> this is, I've noticed this, this is the impact it's having on me. Not you, the team, for instance. No, 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 no. Not, 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 not people have been saying, not, yes, not, not speaking on behalf of other people. Yeah. Genuinely owning that feedback yourself um, and asking for a change I think I think people have the right to ask for something they don't have the right to expect something but they have the right to request yeah and then then that's a conversation that started uh, and then that person can decide yeah. what to do with that feedback again it comes back to a, a sense of safety doesn't it that people have got to feel that safe enough or have a relationship with that person enough to be able to speak freely and have an, and have a an opinion, yeah, you know. I don't, without I don't being like judged. the uh, the tactic of just leaving a can of deodorant on someone's. Where desk. was it? You told me that was that Esther that, that told yeah. you that the story. Yeah. Did that actually happen, or was that yeah, theoretical? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Can of links on the desk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just because no one's got the courage to have dropping have an adult hits. conversation. Walking into a meeting and say, "Oh, can I open a window? It's really stuffy in here." Yeah. Yeah. That type of thing. Yeah, but it is different, and it's it's for every. Some people like to say are completely unaware. That's 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 an, possibly an extreme example, but it is an example of something that a self-organising team needs to to tackle in order to be self-managing. Giving and receiving feedback is is a team responsibility yes. in an agile team. It's not a management responsibility. Well, I suppose it is, but it's a self-management responsibility. And the more we get into the habit of that the more practiced we absolutely are that, yeah and and the smaller the pieces of feedback are yeah. the easier and generally it's smaller if you do things sooner so teams team members can build up to that uh, giving smaller feedback yeah. and actually going through a formal feedback process might seem a little forced but, but just the more you do it the more you get used the skill to it. Yeah. and it's and it's desensitizing so yeah, we, I mean, we've, uh, these are tips that Jeff and I, I know, have, have said to people before. And the Daily Scrum is a great example of, of you can add one question or change one question to be more direct feedback-based 
just to get teamers into the practice of it does feel a bit uncomfortable at first but what the more you do it the smaller it is if you're just giving someone some feedback on what they did yesterday that's easier than you know the committing to giving them feedback on their last three months worth of, of performance so it's it's Little, 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 and often, as my mum used to say to me with, with revision for my GCSEs, do a little bit, but do it all the time, and you just get used to it. And then it doesn't come as so much of a shock when you have to do it on something a bit more, a bit more serious. Yeah, well, you, every, every time you're doing that, you're you're building up that rapport, you're building up that understanding and appreciation that it's. When Gene Tobacco always used to call you feedback as a gift yeah. that you've been given by somebody, um, as long as it's done with good intentions, yeah. then you can see it that way when it's not as it's not as personal it's not as big and then it's something you you start seeking out before yeah. it's before it becomes too big ask for feedback that's something that I used to do quite a lot I'm trying I'm going to try something new here I'd like your feedback on it afterwards so uh, yeah some good tips there Jim. <laughs> very good tips yes very good tips yes I think we're pretty much done oh, I've, well, got, I've got a bit time has flown that's, yeah and uh, I've certainly got an empty glass. <laughs> and I'm getting there. I'm getting there. So there we go. It's a hot day. We should probably uh, refuel. Well, thanks for joining us. Cheers, guys. Yeah. Cheers, everybody. <laughs>